0: Welcome to Scene Change, a podcast by the National Federation of the Blind's Performing Arts Division. All about equality, opportunity, accessibility, and the arts. Here, you'll learn adaptive techniques from performers in the know. We are changing what it means to be blind, one stage at a time. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hello, everybody,
0: and welcome to Scene Change. I'm Lizzie Muhammad-Park, the Vice President of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division, and your host of the show. Today, we have another very special episode. And I say that every month because I just feel like each time we record, we just happen to outdo ourselves. Um, how fortunate we are to have some very cool guests joining us uh, for a panel about being a blind performing mother. This is our Mother's Day episode, and in addition to that, there's more. We've got a co-host joining us today, but wait. For our Mother's Day episode, we have, first up, Julie McGinnity. You may know her as the former secretary of the Performing Arts Division, or maybe the former vice president, or ta The former president of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division. She is a trained opera singer with a master's in vocal performance. Currently, she's living in Northern Virginia with her fiancé and four-month-old daughter. Oh, yes. And of course, we can't forget about the dogs. They have two dogs as well. Welcome to the show, Julie. Hi, everyone. Hi, Lucy hi so nice to have you next up we've got Keisha Holmes she lives in Texas with her partner her four-year-old son Zane her three-year-old daughter Zania and her two-year-old dog Gabby she's a graduate student she's a mother she and she co-hosts a podcast with her two best mom friends welcome to the show Keisha
2: hi thanks for having me I'm excited
0: <laughs> yay we're so glad to have you Um, and last but not least for our panelists, we have the first lady of the National Federation of the Blind, Melissa Riccobono. She lives in Maryland with her three children, Of course, her husband, (laughs) who is the president of the National Federation of the Blind, and she also has a dog as well. Welcome to the show. Oh, wait. And I can't forget about her podcast. Of course, it's like number one in the Federation,
3: uh, the Nation's Blind Podcast. I'm sure we'll hear more about this. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Well, thank you so much. Um, I don't have a dog anymore, but my two cats would be very sad if I did not uh recognize them and their important part uh that they play in in our family. So exactly. <laughs> sorry, no dog anymore. But uh, uh, but two cats. <laughs> Listen. But thank you for
0: uh having given me the opportunity to be on the show. And thank you for joining us. And we love cats as well. We you know it's always nice to mix it up and and um you know represent all forms of, of animals here. Caitlin, do you have any fish? Oh wait, sorry, let me introduce you. And the co-hosts, <laughs> who I totally just spoiled for all of our listeners. This is going to be a world never show. I can already tell. Um, Caitlin McIntyre, you all know her, of course. She's the current president of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division, and she's been on the show a couple of times before. Today, she won't be joining us as a panelist, but she is a mother, so I thought, who better to, uh, you know, ask the questions that I would forget about, especially since I'm not a mother yet. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for joining us as a co host.
1: It's great to be here as always with you, Lizzie, and our wonderful guests. Welcome to all of you. This is great.
0: Yay. So let's jump right in with a few questions. Caitlin, do you want to do the intro um, background questions?
1: Sure. So we'd love to hear, uh, you know, pre children uh, for most of you, I think, but also sort of throughout your lives, what have been you know, your performing arts. I know each of you have dabbled in various things, some on a more professional level, some more as hobbies. So I'd love to hear what performing arts you have dabbled in and, uh, you know, some of your your favorite um, components of your life in the performing arts realm. So Julie, why don't we start with you?
4: Sure. Um, so I have always been a singer. Um, I pretty much sang constantly when I was growing up and started taking voice lessons when I was 10. And, um, I always wanted to get a music degree. And, um, at first I wanted to get a musical theater degree, but, um, in order to be a, uh, musical theater performer, you kind of need to dance. And I'm not a good dancer. Um, my poor child, (laughs) anyway, I don't know. Um, her father's better than I am. So maybe, maybe she'll be okay, but I'm not, not good. Um, and so, you know, I decided to major in, um, classical vocal performance instead. Um, that's less dancing involved in that. And, um, I had a good time with that. Um, I loved it. I've, um, done a little bit of voice teaching. I've done a little bit of choir directing. I really enjoy that. That's one of my favorite things. I think um, mm-hmm. is directing like adult church choirs and things like that. so um, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I've obviously done a lot of performing um, in you know, some opera, some musicals that didn't involve dancing, um, and you know some recordings and things like that. so uh, yeah, I um, you know, when the pandemic hit, i I obviously didn't do as much performing, but um, you know I still obviously do some here and there so Um, I'm, yeah thank you
1: yeah thanks for sharing oh so so good I want to hear more about that choir directing at another time because I think that is (laughs) so cool and not one of my strong suits so I love that thank you for sharing that um Melissa let's hear from you so what are what have your interests been in the performing arts realm I know there's been music involved and podcasting and give us a share with us about that
3: Oh my goodness! Um, so there's there's so much actually. So let's start with music because I always say singing for me is as natural as breathing, and that's really true. Just like Julie, I sang so much growing up. I have cassettes of all sorts of singing. Some some of it um, not good at all, and others, you know, you can kind of tell as I as I grew older um, that that things changed a little bit. Um, I have been in choir since, or I was in choir starting in fourth grade um, in school and um, went all the way up through my senior year in college, actually. So all the way through my undergrad, choir was um, a, a part of my life. Um, in high school, we have a had a really fantastic music department. And, and I never realized how fantastic it was until I see my own kids and see how... Um, I'm sorry, but truly poor, their music education is right now. And that makes me really sad. Music was so important to me. I did um, solo ensemble contests where, you know, you get a solo or a duet or a group together and you perform for judges. And um, I got to go to state a couple of times. Um, we had concerts where I had opportunities to do solos and all sorts of things. And and all of those things were really um just a huge part of my growing up and growing into, um, myself as a performer. There was also a couple of talent shows at school that I was in. And again, just really fantastic experiences. Um, I'm kind of multifaceted, Mm -hmm. I guess I'd say. So I also, um, during high school and middle school was in forensics. No, not the, uh, not the gross, gory crime mm. scene type forensics, <laughs> but the actual forensics where you wow. um, do a piece and and you, um, depending on what it is, you might add gestures to it. You might read it. Um, you, you obviously speak and you are very expressive when you speak. And nice. uh, I started out doing persuasive speaking, but then I went into um, poetry and that was what I did all through high school and got some um, second place trophies and, and different things, and that was really important for me. I really wanted to do music therapy. Um, my problem was that music therapy in order to to have that degree at the time that I was doing it, uh, I would have had to know the piano super well and some mm-hmm. other instrument and i didn 't know any instrument except for voice and I just figured you know i don 't want to spend my whole college career learning piano when everybody else is going to be far ahead of me because they've been taking piano lessons forever. And so I decided I'll just become a counselor and I'll be able to use music while I counsel. And so that's what I did. I was a school counselor for mm-hmm. a while, then had my children. I'm, I'm the old lady of the group, um, which is why I'm and longer because I, I have longer uh, life here. Um, yes. So I, uh, I was a school counselor. I did use music often in counseling, in lessons, in all sorts of ways. Then I stopped, um, counseling because our first child was born and, um, I wanted to be a stay at home mom. I made that decision and, um, really kind of then for a little while I did church choir, but then that got harder because of kids and this and that and activities and different things. And so for a while, music was really pushed very much to the back seat. And then I turned 40 Mm -hmm. and I don't know, what they say about midlife crises and this and that, but that was exactly right on time for me. Mm -hmm. I started really thinking about what is my life like? What do I want in my life? And what I realized was I missed music and I Mm -hmm. missed it in a huge way. And so I needed to get back into it. And so um, I did um, a couple of events where I raised money for the National Federation of the Blind Braille Enrichment for Literacy and Learning programs in Maryland. Um, I did two for want for one of a better word recitals, but they were really kind of almost um, coming of age type presentations. I guess I had a bunch of different music from throughout my life. I told the stories behind why each song was um, meaningful to me, and I also had some audience sing-alongs. And my whole Effort with that was I wanted people to truly be present with me, to connect with me and one another through music, because I think music is such a special language and just encapsulates so many different experiences and memories for people that there's nothing else like it. And I don't think we take nearly enough time to really put the phones down, not be distracted by anything, and just sit in the same space with each other and let emotions sort of. Happen to us, or you know, Mm -hmm. whatever emotions, joy, and and you know, kind of going from one thing to the other, and those performances were, um, deeply personal and some of the best things that I think I've ever done. And now that the pandemic's over, I would love to um, do those again. I also do co-host the Nation's Blind podcast with Anil Lewis, um, the National Federation of the Blind Nation's Blind podcast. I've also always had an interest in radio. And so um, that was another career that I thought about, and mm-hmm. I have lots of very funny cassettes of myself doing fake radio stations at, at young <laughs> ages, which is pretty hilarious. Um, but the podcast realm is, is really interesting to me. I love the Nation's Fine podcast. I've thought a few times of maybe doing other podcasts, but I feel like a lot of people have podcasts, so I don't know what would make mine different. So now I'm really interested in voiceover work, be that audiobook narration or um, some you know some kind of commercials on the radio or um, reading things for audio described tours or descriptive video scripts. you know whatever it is, I would really love to start that so I'm just beginning to dabble in that
1: Love that. Oh, thank you so much for sharing such a multifaceted journey of your performing arts. And I love that you're not stopping. You are continuing to pursue interests old and new, which is, is fantastic. And so much, you know, uh, as we go through our lives, it's so meaningful to continue to learn, continue to grow. So that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I wish you nothing but the best with your, your uh, audio book and other voiceover work. That is so exciting.
0: I totally agree with that. And just as a fun fact, or not a fun fact, but a fun little game for our listeners drop it in the youtube chat what podcast would you like to hear melissa riccobono start out because um, i think that if you wanted to set up another podcast and you had time for it um, many many people would listen um, but yes. i'm just curious to
1: know what our listeners think and we will get the results back to you just in yes case. absolutely <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And another wonderful podcaster among us, I would love Keisha Holmes to uh, introduce yourself. Tell us about your performing arts journey. I know you've also had singing in your past, but now uh, have a bit more focus on podcasting and a YouTube channel. So tell us a bit about that, please. We'd love to hear.
2: Uh, yeah, so I, um, I have been in the choir since third grade. Um, up until about ninth grade. And so I've done state um, competitions back in my young days. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much besides singing in the shower. I mean, that's pretty much the extent of my singing career. But um, <laughs> recently, um, it was actually in the middle of the pandemic. I have a YouTube channel. So I was doing little videos about being a blind mom um with two toddlers because my kids are 15 months apart so um they're super close in age
1: yeah and exhausting but amazing
2: <laughs> yes they are and you probably hear them because they're finding <laughs> my place um oh, great <laughs> but um yeah so i was like i like for the the youtube episodes we would go like <gasps> that, hey no We would go to a walk in the park um, near, like, the river walk, and then um, we would do just different family things to get them out of the house, Um, because being in the house with two toddlers can drive you crazy, the toddlers Mm -hmm. and the parents, so, Mm
4: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) so um, so I had this idea, Um, I wanted to do an episode, like, kind of like this, like a round table episode, um, but uh, like a video. And so I was looking for moms that I think would be like cool to do it with. Um, and so I got my moms that I thought of. And this was back in the middle, like maybe towards the end of 2020. So like August of 2020, I was um, thinking like, man, I think that there's so much more that needs to be said about being a blind mom. And I don't think it can be covered in one in one video. So I reached out to the girls that I was wanted to do this round table with. And I asked them what they thought about doing a podcast. Um, because at the time my partner, my boyfriend Axel was doing a podcast. And he had originally started the YouTube channel with me, and then he like left me hanging to go do his podcast. And so I was like, like kind of jealous, oh, no. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I want to do a podcast. And so I thought of the it's called Babies Down bottles up and so it's basically like, like okay yeah you're a mom but you can still have fun so you know once you p- put the babies down to sleep you know open up a bottle and just relax you know it could be whatever bottle you want like it could be like a bottle of wine it could be a bottle of soda <laughs> whatever love it. it makes you feel comfortable and the reason why I wanted to create that podcast is because I don't think there's anything else out there like it And so I figured Mm -hmm. that there's so much that we could offer as blind moms. And we're not, we just don't talk about blind mom things. We talk about everything. Um, We have a very wide range of (laughs) conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we started off with six moms, um, but now we're down to three. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, that's basically about the podcast. And it's just really fun.
4: So good. Awesome. Yes, I,
1: I can attest that I recently went back and listened to all the episodes I had missed of Babies Down, Bottles Up, and I was enjoying them thoroughly. Some of them were hilarious. Some of them were really <laughs> insightful and just a great mixture of, you know, really helpful conversations and also a lot of fun. So definitely look it up. It is a great one. Thank you, Keisha, for sharing. <laughs> Also, a much-needed podcast.
0: Um, I feel like too often, mothers are expected to just be mothers and nothing Mm -hmm. else. And I think that, you know, um, at least from what I saw with my mom growing up, um, she was also a stay-at-home mom, also driven crazy by all her kids, right? Um, But at the same time, uh, you know, whenever she would, like, feel guilty, like mom guilt, right? Like, for taking time for herself uh, or just doing things that she wanted to do or that she liked to do. So that's why I'm so excited to interview um, all of you because you are all mothers who you're performing art or um the the thing your creative outlet is um something that you do on the side it's not your it's not your day your day job or your main job or anything like that it's just something that you love to do and you are all making time for it so um kudos to all of you i think it's gonna be really good uh for it probably is really good already (laughs) but but it's also going to be really good um just for um, you and also for your kids as well, because the happier you are, the happier they are. Um, I can say that for sure, because, you know, I'm, I'm now an adult (laughs) and I turned out fine. (laughs) Um, so, but I was always happier when my mom took more time for herself. Right. So Mm -hmm. I want to go back to, um, something that Melissa said earlier. Um, I love that you mentioned how your arts have changed with age. Um, but I'm also curious to know how much of, uh, your, um, art and arts have changed due to the ages of your children. Um, and, and if that's played any sort of role at all, you know, uh, perhaps when they were little, you didn't uh, take as much time for your art, but then as they, you know, as they grew older, you, you were able to say, you know what, um, you know, they're going to be okay if I do this for me. You know what I mean? Um, now, this question will be for all of you. I'm going to start with Melissa, but this question will be for all of you. Um, Julia, I know you're the, I love that we have these, I'm giving Melissa time to think. Um, I love that we have this this range uh, from newborn baby to toddler all the way up to, to the teenage years um, because I'm hoping that this can be a discussion between the three of you. Always feel um, free to jump in, panelists, um, if, if someone speaks to something that um, is a curiosity of yours. But um, Julie, I know that your your baby's a newborn, but still, um, it could be how you think uh, your your performing arts will change as she grows older, or um, however you would like to tailor the question to your particular situation. But let's start with you, Melissa. How have your performing arts changed uh, with the ages of your children?
3: So, I mean, definitely, there was a time, like I said, that I really um, put them aside. I still sang, but like Keisha said, in the shower um, to my kids. They seemed to love it when they were babies, and then they all got to be toddlers, and they would say, "No, mom, stop!" And I would kind of be sad. <laughs> like, oh, but I love this thing to you. Oh um, no! Also, I mean, the music that we sang to or listened to around the house changed, and at first, I wasn't sure if there was good children's music or if all of it was just super annoying. Um, Sorry for Raffi fans, but I, I, I'm not a huge <laughs> fan. I just am annoyed by it, and there's other ones that just. Sort of annoy me because they just sound too contrived. Um, Luckily, when our our oldest was a baby, uh, we had Sirius XM and we started listening to Kids Place Live. And I realized, ta da, there's actually really good kids' music that's also really good and fun for adults and not just Sesame Street, because I knew about Sesame Street and I. Um, loved getting Sesame Street albums from when I was a kid. They, they came back, they were re-released on Apple and I was able to share them with my kids and that was really fun. But things like the Lori Berkner Band, um, Bare Naked Ladies has a really fun kids album. One of my very favorite folk artists, Ellis Paul has two fantastic kids albums. One is called Dragonfly Races and the other one is called Hero and You and Hero and You actually Um, has a a book that goes with it. And the songs and the book tell stories of African American inventors. And it's, it's an amazing album. And so all of those things, really, for a while made me think about, oh, my gosh, maybe someday, I'd really love to be a children's performer. And I think that could be really fun. Um, And I've never, I've never really tried that. Um, I do Write some songs from time to time, and I don't have any for for kids, but that's always kind of also been uh, in the back of my mind um, as my kids have grown up. The coolest thing was um, when I finally decided that I needed to do more singing for me, um, you know, my oldest was in oh, goodness, must have been sixth grade or fifth grade. I don't exactly remember. I'm a little bit, you know, the pandemic really (laughs) messed with my dates. Um, but you know, my oldest came to the concert and, um, said to me afterward, you know, mom, I, I'm sorry that I used to tell you to stop singing. Now I understand because I heard you sing and I heard you tell all your stories. I understand what music really means to you, and so, like, I know you need to sing, and go ahead and sing, and that was really very very special um, to hear. And um, our middle one, who's eleven, is now uh, doing um, some acting and some some musical theater, actually. Um, and our our uh, younger one, Blass, youngest one, who's nine, blasts Hamilton. Um, fairly constantly. So not only has my art changed, but just sort of the music around me and really wanting to make sure that I do my part to show my kids all kinds of different music. Our oldest now loves uh, music from video game soundtracks. And that's nothing at all that I even knew anything about. But we listen to it now as a family. And I'm like, that is really cool music, even though I'm not really a classical music fan, so to speak, but it's, it's just, it's cool. Um, you know, they all sort of have their own taste in music and I love, I love that not only did my kids hear like kids songs growing up, but they also heard the Beatles and Hamilton and, you know, all different things. Um, cause we just have music on so constantly and, and my husband plays the guitar and so it's just, I guess that's been. Um, I don't know if it's really changed my art, but it, it was really an awakening that I needed to, to have it for myself. But it, it's always just, again, it's always been in the background and, um, and I love it. And I, I love being able to share music, especially music that I loved as a kid um, with my kids. And I love to hear and see their excitement for music that they really like. And hopefully someday I'll be able to take um, them to their first actual rock concert (laughs) of some kind you know um there's been requests for Ed Sheeran or Imagine Dragons and so I don't know what the first concert will be but um I really hope that that can come and that they'll um actually allow me to go with them to their first concert I think that'd be really fun to share.
0: Yes, indeed, um, and and I can highly recommend Ned Sheeran concert. He um, is fabulous in person, but I do know what you mean, um, being allowed to come because, especially as they grow into teenagers or, or you know mature more into the teenage years, they're like mom. You know what I mean. So um, I hope that they let you come too, and that you guys are all there, just singing along together and just enjoying that family time. It's so important um, to enjoy the arts together. Um, Keisha, I'm going to move on to you next. And I mean, listen, you, you went from singing to vlogging to podcasting. They, these are, uh, I mean, vlogging to podcasting is not a, a super dramatic change, but, you know, we can you know clearly see that your, your arts are um, always evolving. So does that have anything to do with the ages of your children?
2: I think so, in a way. Um,
0: when I first
2: started, like, vlogging,
0: I wanted to just
2: show how i navigated the world um with two small toddlers um and that you know back then they were little like my my daughter was pretty much a newborn and my son he was um he was one so uh, i wanted i thought it was important to show how two blind parents um traveled with with todd- or babies or you know i wanted to show that we did normal things especially because of the whole um, craziness that went on with the whole breakfast club. That was actually the reason why I began the the um, YouTube channel because there was all of the negativity around blind people babysitting. And so I thought that um, creating the YouTube channel would help people see that we're just blind parents, but our blindness isn't just like, it's not what defines us. And we can still be a good parent babysitter uh, whatever you would like to be, um, the, you know, despite not having any vision, as my kids get older, um, we still do a lot of things with them, like we take them on trains, buses, planes. We take them in, everywhere because we want them to have that experience. Um, so as they, you know, evolve into the little people that they are <laughs> today, um, I want the iPad. Okay, go get it. and they evolve into the little people that they are and ask to watch the ipad um i just like want to give more advice to parents on how to handle different situations that come about the kids like they're in school now so um showing how or talking about how to work with with teachers on getting like their homework making sure it's like accessible for us blind parents, um, those types of things. Um, And my kids are very artistic. My daughter, she's a, I call her a drama queen. I really want to put her in acting. She's very animated. She loves to sing and um, their dad loves music as well. And so they're very musically inclined. Like they love, love, love music. I remember when my son was a baby, the only way we could actually get him to calm down sometimes was by putting on music. And so um, I think that music is a huge important factor
0: um, in, in life. I totally agree. And Julie, I actually uh, found a way to tailor the question to your situation. Um, and I thought of it when Melissa was talking about singing to her kids when they were babies. Um, I know that singing and music has really helped you to be able to bond with your daughter. And I was wondering if you could share some of that with our listeners.
4: Yeah. So um, my baby was born in November and um, she was born right before or like right around the Christmas season. And um, I don't know how, you know, most people feel when their baby is born, but I was, I don't know. I was like, kind of out of it (laughs) and like just trying to figure out how to be a mom and you know all that stuff but um like after performing in choirs and Christmas shows for a million years I you know have a lot of Christmas songs pretty much memorized and so in my sleep deprived state of crazy I could pace the living room which is tiny because we live in a one-bedroom apartment um, and I could just sing Christmas songs to her. Um, we had like different Christmas stations playing on our little Amazon thing over there. And we, I would just pace with her and hold her and sing Christmas songs to her like constantly. And then, um, and that would put her to sleep. Um, cause my baby does not like to nap during the day. she's not like to sleep during the day. Um, and that would get exhausting when she didn't sleep at night. So I was like, all right, fine. Like, I'm going to walk around here and sing to you until you sleep. And we still do that sometimes, except she doesn't sleep. She just relaxes when I do it now. So that's something, but, but I think too, you know, when, when the Christmas season stopped, I was kind of like, well, what do I sing to her now? Like, how many songs do I have, you know, stored in my memory banks? Um, and so we listen to everything. We are always listening to music. and you know it's um you know it's it's everything from like nineties music that I grew up with to like musical theater. we've listened to all kinds of shows um you know we um we we spent like a whole morning listening to Les Mis. I don't know how impressed she was, but that's okay um <laughs> and you know, like my favorite artists, we listen to them, and um it's it's really fun um Melissa, I was like really listening to those recommendations of good kids music cuz i'm the same way i'm such a snob about what my kids listens to and you know um like i buy her baby einstein toys cuz i'm like at least it's good music you know so um definitely interested in any recommendations but um i think the coolest thing that her age has allowed me to do is um i wanted to do some recording for my fiance for valentine's day and i was like Thinking, like, how am I going to keep my baby quiet while I record? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, she's not going to like this. I'm going to be in the other room or being across the room. She's going to want to be held. And so I was like, well, fine. You know, I've got my little digital recorder and, you know, I've got my speaker for like the background track. I'll just hold her and sing and she'll be quiet. And she was almost silent. Like, we recorded two afternoons like two full afternoons of recording and like i mean i have a music major so i'm a perfectionist i have to get it right right um so but she was so good she loved it and that's something that i will never be able to do with her again because she will not you know next year um or even july if i want to record for joe's birthday like she's going to be too heavy i won't be able to walk around with her and record so um i don't know i feel like that kind of answers your question because that's something that just can't ever happen again. I have to figure out some other way to make her happy. And eventually she'll be like, Oh my gosh, I do not want to hear you recording, you know, get out of here. <laughs> kind of like what Melissa was saying. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question.
0: Definitely. Yeah, you definitely did. And it's, you know, like I said, it's so cool to hear about it at all different stages from you talking about, you know, just recently recording uh, while holding your baby to, you know, Keisha's toddler saying that they want to play with the iPad, you know, to Melissa talking about uh, taking her teens to a concert and how they may or may not welcome that. So it's just, uh, this is an excellent panel. I'm very happy. Um,
1: over to you, Caitlin. Well, yes, I just I wanted to share too that I, I love what you all shared because I can already imagine I, I have about a, a one year old and I can imagine him going through all those stages throughout the years. And and one fun thing that we've done with my husband and I are competitive ballroom dancers and we were preparing for a competition this week and been preparing the last couple of months and we're like, How on earth are we gonna get ready with the a- child on the side of the dance floor and what are we going to do so we put him in our front pack and we danced with him around the floor in the front pack and I I just think it's so cool to hear the different ways um, of you know being creative and incorporating performing arts as we raise our children as mothers you know whether that um, is through music or dance or uh, other movement or whatever it may be I just think it's so great it's, it's such a wonderful valuable you know, um, thing for the kids to be exposed to and for us as moms to continue to have that creative outlet and uh, find a way to, you know, do it whatever the age of our kids may be. And yes, that might look different over the years, but um, right now we can squeeze him in the front pack and he can whirl around the floor with us. So <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. So that also reminds me, uh, especially what you were talking about, Melissa, um, earlier uh, with your some of your kids being the performing arts. I was curious as Coming from a performing arts background, um, you know, and and all of you can answer this, but especially Melissa, how has that, uh, I guess, with your kids having some interest now in performing arts, especially as they get older, um, what, you know, how has that been for you as a blind parent with your kids in the performing arts? What accessibility barriers have you had to face and, you know, how have you been able to help encourage them in their interests and, tackle those scenarios and facilitate that as a blind a blind parent you know that's a great
3: question um so it's interesting it's not really a performing art but it kind of is um both my youngest were in gymnastics for a little while and that was hard because the gym that we were at um was uh there was big glass windows and you could sit and you know, watch your kids, but they were away from you. Um, and a lot of the other parents were very clicky. Um, they basically would just kind of sit there and chat among themselves. And I just felt like I was like, I don't know, a little speck of dust on the floor or something like they just never really noticed me. And that was, you know, that was kind of sad for me. Um, I would sometimes bring a friend of ours along. Um, The kids have a godmother who loves watching them do all sorts of different things. So she could describe what they were doing. Also, um, when my mother-in-law or my mom would come to visit, um, they would always come and want to watch because um, they live out of state. So that was a special thing that they were able to do. As far as other things, you know, so our middle one who's 11, um, she is the one who is most interested. and. I, I had to smile when Keisha was saying she was. She thought her child was a drama queen because um, I don't know that mine's exactly a drama queen, but she really does have um, a lot of energy, a lot of passion for whatever she does. And for whatever reason lately, she started talking in a British accent and she does all these different voices. And um, I think one thing that I did for her was I got her, um, something to record herself with just audio record and also a a kid's camera so she could do videos and now she has a phone and I mean those are just things that she loves to do and that just makes me smile because when I was a kid my audio recorder was my very favorite thing ever um and so I love that and, and that's just so accessible I mean there's no even if it's videos um, even if they're doing like stop motion movies or whatever, a lot of times they will describe, cause my, my youngest also um, likes to do some of those things too. Um, she is definitely not as, uh, dramatic as her sister and really does not want to be in the spotlight at all. Um, so it's the middle one. That's the most extroverted person I know. I don't quite know <laughs> how I gave birth to such an extroverted child, but, um, <laughs> there you go. Um, now she's in acting class and um you know again um we did i did have her godmother they had a little performance um the first acting class was just a little introduction so her godmother came and described a little bit of the dances and when she's when she's learning dances and things she will kind of describe to me what she's doing um but a lot of it is just going now. She's going to be in Charlie and the uh, I'm sorry Willy Wonka Kids in May, and I'm just excited to go and just listen um, to hear her give her lines, but also just to hear all the other kids and just hear them sing and know that they're dancing. And you know, I guess at some point it might be good to have someone sort of describe the movements and stuff, but that's not how I really watched theater growing up, and so I I almost rather um, would rather imagine it at first and then maybe have someone describe afterward because I really want to be in that moment and I'm I'm such a sucker that I'm I know I'm going to get really emotional not at all because she's following in Like my footsteps are things that I really wanted to do. I really did want to be in plays and things when I was a kid and I never was because I was also a runner. So I did those things instead and running and drama really didn't work together um, very well just because of the timing of everything. Um, But just seeing her come into her own, I mean, it's not, it's not about me so much as it's just about her learning and growing. And I just feel like the arts are such powerful things and and these experiences that she's going to have learning her lines and being disciplined and um, getting to know other members of the cast and putting on something that everybody else is going to enjoy it just it makes me really emotional to think about that and all the hard work that not just her but all the kids put in so i think as a mom that that first performance i'm going to be really teary-eyed just because i'm going to be really proud of her and just of everybody and of the people that work with the kids that are so patient and kind and encouraging. And so that's a really, like, I don't really see it as barriers so much. Um, The one thing I did do is I was able to get a copy of the script electronically. And so I can help run lines. Uh, My daughter also uh, is, has some, she, she's, blind but she does have usable vision so right now she's reading her lines in print but we're working on getting the script edited so that she can also uh read it in braille and so that's been really cool because i've been able to help her with lines and things because i do have that script um so you know i don't know i i don't know if that answers the question but but those are the things that come to mind
1: yes no that's really helpful because I think you hit it from a lot of angles, the, you know, helping your child practice angle with going through a script, the actual being an audience member is so important for so many parents, Um, you know, and and as a blind parent, that's wonderful that you can find ways to still make that a meaningful experience. So absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Keisha and Julie, I know your kiddos are younger, but any thoughts, you know, have have you dabbled in any Music or movement classes or those sorts of things? And how has that been for you as a blind parent? Any thoughts on, um, you know, ways to make that accessible or challenges you've had? Keisha, if you want to jump in.
2: So we haven't done like any other classes besides uh, swimming. And uh, when Melissa was talking about like looking through the glass, I was like, oh, memories, because we weren't able to go into the The swim room um, when they were swimming, so we had to look through the glass, and that's hard to do if you can't see. Um, So we would take our yes, um, we would take my (laughs) mother-in-law, yes, and she would describe what you know what the kids are doing because my son, um, he was in swim class, like we couldn't go in with him, but my daughter and I, we did mommy and me swim class, and so I was able to do, you know, the class with her. But um, now that they're older. Really looking into like gymnastics and and things like that, and I really want to get my daughter into acting and like she loves to sing. I've even thought about seeing if she would be interested in modeling because, yeah, she's like (laughs) she's like a diva, and it's crazy because she's only three. But like whenever you have her take pictures, she poses like without you even telling her to pose. And so I'm like, you're made for. for the camera she loves taking pictures and so like now that she's three she's able to do more and so i'm definitely going to be looking into finding some performing arts for her to do for sure my son is the introvert he is really shy and he doesn't like you know the attention being on him like he'll hide when we sing happy birthday he's really shy my daughter she's all about the spotlight (laughs) so when melissa was saying her middle child is the extrovert that's my daughter all the way. And I'm like an introvert, So it's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know how, how she became the extrovert of the family, but um, I think that as she like, as she's getting older, I want to see, just put her into different things to see what she likes, because I want her to, you know, choose what she wants to do. And I know at this age she can't, but if I expose her to different things, she would be, you know, she would, Eventually, as she gets older, she'll be able to tell me, like, what she wants to do.
1: Right. I love that. I
2: don't know what we're going to do with him because he's really (laughs) shy.
1: Oh, I love that, though. It's so true that exposing kids to different activities and I'm, you know, I'm biased. But of course, the the performing arts related activities, dance, drama, music, all those things are are wonderful for, you know, growth and, and learning on a whole. Uh, range of levels, whether or not they continue in that, in that uh, art form. So that's great. I'm excited to see what they do and where they go in life. That's so wonderful. And Julie, I don't know, I know you, you know, your daughter is young, but any thoughts to how you might navigate exposing her to performing arts as a blind parent?
4: I mean, I would be a liar if I said I wasn't dreaming of being a stage mom one day, because I totally am.
3: Yes. Um
4: <laughs> but that being said, if she does not want to do, you know, theater, um I I will be okay with that. Um but you know, right now I think I'm just trying to I mean, she's, you know, she's 4 months old, so I don't really know what she's taking in or how much. I can't really tell if she's an introvert or extrovert. Um I mean, I can kind of, I'm starting to tell like what she likes and what she doesn't, which is really cool, you know, cause that's the first step. Right. So she does like music. She does like to move. She loves to move. You guys, I'm in trouble. Um, she loves to move. She loves to like, when you dance with her, um, you know, she, she loves, um, she has songs that like always calm her down. You pick her up and you turn on the song. Um, some of them are very annoying songs, unfortunately, but as is i think life with children so um not annoying but um having to get used to annoying songs sometimes so you know um <laughs> so there's that but i i mean i think for now it's trying to encourage you know the music and just have it around all the time and um you know so that she kind of grows up with it and you know at least develops a love for it like you know like i i love music and my fiance does too and you know so um, and I'm, I don't know, my, my fiance and I are both blind. So we're very into the, if we're going to expose her to something we really want to have access to, which is going to get really hard once she starts activities, we get that, you know, so, um, but if we're buying her a toy or something like that, we, you know, um, at least it's really important that we can access it too. So, You know, we do buy a lot of musical toys and stuff like that. So we're going to just keep encouraging it and hope that it develops into something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's interesting with our little almost one year old, you know, they have those music and movement classes for babies. And I don't know how much he's taking in, but it's really fun to see what instruments they like, what sounds they like and just expose him to drums or A piano and you know it's mostly just banging around at this age but it's really neat to to see um you know what where they'll end up and and what draws them so that's wonderful that you're exposing her to so much music and it's exciting to see where all these kids go i
0: totally agree and you know what else is really fascinating about each of our panelists today is that they're um each of these mothers are um a part of a a couple where both parents are blind. Um, So that brings me to the question Mm -hmm. of, you know, as your children grow older and as they are uh, becoming a part of different performances, some of them are going to be more visual performances and things like that. And we're all Federationists here, right? So uh, Federationists are all about uh, equality, accessibility, rah, 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 right? So here's an interesting question. And I'd like for this to be more of a discussion amongst you all um, because it's just something that I'm more curious about. Um, but how do you all feel about pushing for accessibility in the arts as far as audience participation goes, specifically from the perspective of uh, being a blind parent? So um, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, uh, different accommodations where a family member uh, describes things or um, sometimes, you know, just, you know, foregoing the visual aspect and, and um, allowing the audio to be enough, which sometimes that is a part of, of it. Um, sometimes we don't need need the visual aspects, but I'm curious to know, is it something that you would ever um, see yourself speaking to, the, to say the program about and saying, listen, I'm a blind parent. I'd like to have this professionally audio described. Um, you know, this is a play, I don't know, without words or something of that nature. Or um, would you all uh, request a family member? How would you handle it? um and and what what do you feel is appropriate and and you know there is no right or wrong answer here but essentially just you know stating your opinion and um why you feel that way anyone can feel free to jump in otherwise uh we can start with Keisha so go for it oh go ahead Keisha no no go for
1: it I don't I don't know <laughs> if <she's ready>. oh. <laughs>
3: okay so so absolutely um I would I would think that um it would be completely good, and, and I'm lucky here in Maryland. We actually have um, a community college where they it's called Access for the Arts, and so they do. Um, there's a, there's an organization already kind of in place that can help with audio description um, of of live events already, and so that to me would make a lot of sense. But I was just thinking as you were talking, um, the play that my daughter's in it's it's in a kind of a community center, and so. In some ways, if I was going to do something like this, I might also ask if the Access for the Arts people, or maybe I would take a shot at training like late middle school, early high schoolers to give the description, because I think what a cool way. You know, there's all sorts of different ways to be involved in theater, right? You can, you know, you can be on the stage, you can be with the props, you can be. Um, with the costumes, you can be light and sound, but this would be one more way. And I think the more that we can get um, older kids interested and, and knowing that this is actually a career and maybe a way for them to earn a little money as they're in college or as they are you know, in high school or whatever it is, I think that would be really cool. And there's actually also a high school for the arts in Baltimore. And I'm actually now thinking, Huh. I wonder if they have ever thought about um, helping their students know that this is a career, or that you know this is a path, or that this is something that blind people um, could really benefit from. And so it kind of makes me think that might be a really fun thing for me to do to get involved in the community and and again just work with work with younger people or older people. I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed to whoever wants to do it, but I. I think that could be a really good, good thing. And I think it could be um, a really fun thing and like making the world a little bit better than when I found it and, and not be like, you have to pay all this money to do this, but like, let's see what talent we just have here and let's figure out how we can get equipment and how we can get it to work and let's see where it would go. And I think that could be really cool.
2: Yeah, I think that would be cool too, especially, um, if it is like a younger high school students, they're already going to like a performing arts school, that could just be something extra that they can add to their their resume. Um, And yeah, I would definitely, I'm not sure if we have anything like that here in San Antonio, um, but I would definitely want to be included. Um, Sometimes I feel like when we do have activities um, with our children, we aren't included. It's very visual and like Melissa was saying earlier, it kind of makes you feel like a little speck on like a like dirt on like a wall because it's like everyone's able to see everything that's going on and can talk about it together. But since I'm blind, I, I, I can't see it. So it makes it a lot harder to like enjoy. Or even like as my kids are getting older, you know, they're they're to the point now where they're saying, did you see that? Even though they know we're blind, but they're really excited about it. And I want to be excited about it with them. So I think that in order to be inclusive, that there is going to need to be some type of change um, in those types of environments. And if they aren't willing to do that, um, (laughs) I'm training my son and my daughter, not really training them, but them living with two blind parents helps them um, be more vocal. So they're really like really good at, explaining things now and they're only three and four but you know they've been living with us for their whole life (laughs) so they're to the point now that mommy can't see good or daddy can't see good or they'll say mommy and daddy are blind so they know that we can't see so um they are very descriptive when they're describing something like color or even when like I'm looking for something for example today I was looking for a bottle of water for my son and so I'm like, okay, where is it? He's like, it's on the TV stand. And I'm like, okay, where? And he says, it's on the bottom. And he goes, go to your left. He goes more and more and more. So he he knows how to express himself and how to like be very descriptive. And so if the accessibility wasn't there, I know that my kids will have my back. <laughs> so.
3: And that's so true. And, <laughs> and I think really quickly too, the thing that I would love to have described are those, you know, you want to, you want to see when things are perfect, but I'd also love to know about that kid that's on the side of the stage, like, I don't know, picking their nose or like the the kid that's totally out of stuff. Not that I want anybody to be mean, but like just You know, I want to know about those things that don't go so well in performances, (laughs) because especially when kids are really little. You have that one kid that's singing super loudly and very out of tune, but they're just so joyful. And of course I can hear that. But if they're also like doing a little two-step in the front row, I'd love to be able to know that because that's probably what the parents will talk about afterward. Like, oh my gosh, did you see that adorable, you know, kid that was just doing whatever. So, I mean, I think that's really important as well. And I think it's interesting, Keisha, when you were talking about your kids being descriptive, um, my kids are also very descriptive. And I think also um, me listening to audio description, because now, of course, it's on more and more and more. And even though I didn't grow up with it, and at first was like, I don't really need this. Now I listen to it all the time when it's available. And my kids sometimes, especially when they were younger, would listen to just audio files of a movie with the description. And that really enhanced their vocabulary in, in really big ways, I think, and just was one more way that they kind of gained um, that the vocabulary and the, the, um, the words for how to describe something. And I I think that's really a cool benefit of being a blind parent that, um, you know, people always want to talk about the negative aspects. And I think that verbalizing things describing things having big vocabularies are things I hear over and over from blind parents and and I think that's a that's a really cool thing so maybe you know maybe um your son who's really shy maybe he's gonna Mm -hmm. be an audio describer someday or maybe (laughs) um, my oldest who's also very shy might be an audio (laughs) describer someday Um, and and that would be pretty cool
0: I totally agree. And Julie, I want to get you into the discussion here, too. Um, I know you're in law school right now. So you're always talking about advocacy and these different things. But how do you feel like, um, uh, you know, in a, in a non professional sense and just, you know, your day to day life, if your child decides to, you know, be in some sort of a play or something, do you feel like that's something that you'd push for? Do you feel like it's something that you'd say, no, you know, I'm not at work right now? Or, or I don't know, what's, what's your perspective on this? I think it really depends on the
4: situation and like what it is. I think for like a player musical where I knew like most of what was going on, I'd be like, fine, you know, and kind of like what Melissa was saying earlier, um, I would look up the script and look up a description and, you know, probably I've heard all about it from my child, assuming she still wants to talk to me in 10 years, you know? Um, So, I feel like for that, you know, but if it's some kind of like if she gets into like ballet or so, I can't imagine my child anyway. I don't know. I don't know. That would be pretty cool. But um, like ballet or like sports. Actually, I'm way more wor- way more worried about sports than anything else. Um, I think, you know, uh that that would be a lot harder to follow. I really like some of the ideas that were um presented here because like honestly, before you guys gave about your ideas i was like well i guess we'll just hire a reader you know and bring her and um because we have a good reader who like works for ira and stuff that we work with and she's really good and um i mean i would enjoy you know bringing her to like a sports game and stuff and i think joe and i would have a good time with her so um i don't know i mean that was my solution but i love the idea of like getting you know getting a volunteer or in this area I live in the Washington DC area and there are a lot of universities around and so it would be easy enough to hire a college student you know who can do these sorts of descriptive tasks as well but um you know I I think if you're in a high school situation there are always um honor society kids and other kids looking for volunteer hours now you would have to find the right kid because some kids are not going to be good at describing right but if you found the right kid I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. So um, I think there are a lot of options out there, but no, like, I don't think I would push the director or the sports coach or the whatever, unless it was like community theater. If she ever gets into that, you know, then I would probably, you know, maybe I would have a different attitude about it and I would push them to include that, especially because we also have a large NFB community around here who, you know, are probably going to hang with us as we raise our kids. So they might want to go see her in plays and stuff. So, um, I would definitely push for it then if it was just more than, you know, me and and her
0: father. So my very last question, and I'm going to leave that discussion because I'm going to make that a part of the takeaway, but jumping over to my very last question, which is, I know Keisha, you mentioned, um, mommy and me classes, and I think that that's the route that I would go. Um, Obviously, I have no idea, right? Because things change. Um, but but that's what I would uh, foresee for myself as far as keeping my performing art, um, which is for me, in a sense, keeping my sanity. Um, but at the same time, being able to spend, you know, time with, you know, the child, at the, you know, and um, being able to bond and things like that. So how do you all feel about mommy and me classes? Have you gone? Did it turn out? Uh, well, how is it to do these different things as a blind mother where you can still um, be able to spend time with your child plus have some, um, you know, stress. I presume that it's stress relieving, but um, you guys can feel free to dispel uh, that myth if it's if it's not true. So Keisha, we're going to start with you. Um,
2: <laughs> it was actually fun. I think um, it was another way for me and my daughter to bond. Um, it was tiring because... <laughs> It was a swim class, so I had to hold her the whole time, but I thought that the thing that I thought was really cool is that the the instructors were very um, accommodating, so they explained everything before we did it, and they weren't afraid of me being in the water with her. Uh, they were very welcoming, and it got to the point where <laughs> our um, we only did it for like the summer because it's really hot here in, in Texas, and so... The last class that we did, my daughter got to the point where she was very comfortable and she, like, we were jumping off of like the boards and she jumped off before the instructor told her to. Luckily, I was ready because I just always had my arms up, like, you know, because I can't see when she's coming all the time because we do like the pass her between me and the instructor and then we'll do the pass. She'll go underwater and then she'll come up on the other side. And so, luckily, I had my arms out ready for her. And the instructor was like, "She's doing great. She just needs to learn the rules and wait until it's time for her to go. Um, and so I knew that at that point that I had accomplished something with her that she wasn't afraid, and that the instructors were also very comfortable with me being in the water with her, with having you know blindness. And so um now that she's three, baby mommy and me classes aren't an option anymore so I'll probably be the mom and the looking through the glass. Well, not looking through the glass because I can't see, but <laughs> I won't be able to be there with her and, and you know, actually be a part of the the magic. But I think that the mommy and me classes are, are awesome, especially for blind parents um, because we don't get to, we're not able to see with our eyes, so being able to be a part of that, the motion and and all of that is very helpful. And our kids are more comfortable in some situations with us there. And that gives us the opportunity to get them introduced to it so that when we can't do mommy and me classes, they'll be you know, more
0: comfortable with doing it on their own
2: as they get older.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I love what you said about um, being a part of the of the um, the magic that happens. And then, you know, as as they get older, you know, they will shine on their own. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, yeah, just yeah. you know, like getting them. Get, you <laughs> know, you like, I've done like, this. I'm ready. It. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> First you help them. Then they're like, OK, mom, I got this. You know, so that's awesome. Melissa, how about you? Have you done any mommy and me um, classes or anything like that?
3: So you're you're taking me back again. You know, my kids are nine, eleven, and fifteen. Um, but yes, our oldest, we used to do um a library program was which was called Mother Goose on the Loose, and it was all different rhymes with gestures and like you'd put your baby on your legs and bounce them up and down for different parts and then let them like come, you know, go between your legs and like pretend to drop them. And, you know, and we did instruments sometimes and scarves and all sorts of things. So it wasn't really a music wasn't, it wasn't just music. Um, but that was really enjoyable, really fun. Um, very hands-on, very interactive. And again, the librarian was really good about saying and explaining to all the parents, what, what she was looking for us to do. Um, and not just saying, you know, look at this or look at that. Um, we also did, uh, gymnastics classes for all three kids. Um, one was tumbling. That one was really hard because, um, it was a different gym and shoes had to be off. And my child was only, oh, like one and a half or two. And so I was really used to having bells and it was our first. So I was really used to having the bells on the shoes and, The music would be really loud sometimes. And so that one was a little bit tougher. Um, We we made it work and it worked out well. And some of the time me and the other parents would just kind of let our kids run because that was more, it was in the winter and we were just like, we just want them to be able to get their energy out. I don't necessarily care if they learn to like go through this obstacle course, as long as they're having fun and they're moving and they're interacting with each other and I'm here and they can come back to me and I'm a safe space a safe, safe place and I know they're safe I'm totally happy with you know whatever they do um by the time the the younger ones um got old enough then we had found this other gym and we did more mommy and me classes I did one with both of them a couple times that was um that was fine. Luckily, the one was just a little bit older because uh, the, the youngest was two, and she pretty much clung to me <laughs> the entire time and was very um, wary to try much new. Um, but you know, her sister loved it. and again, we, we made it work. And, and that was that was really fun. And the really nice thing was the other parents in the classes, I didn't feel so much like a speck of dust on the floor because the parents were seeing me working with my kids and their kids would talk to my kids and then we could have a conversation. So it was much more. And then the parents would also help out sometimes like, Oh, it's over this way. Or, you know, you you're, you know, Oriana can go after, you know, why my son goes or whatever. And, and that was really, that was really nice. Um, But I agree with Keisha. It's also really fun to then watch your kids go out on their own and do things. Um, I often, when, um, when there's sports involved, I would try to sit close to the field so I could sort of hear the coach when the coach was calling out instructions or different things. Um, in swimming, I was lucky we were able to actually sit in the same room with the pool so I could hear the instructor and what the instructor was saying. And um, whether my child was behaving or crying or, you know, whatever, I would actually know those things. So, um, you know, I think it was great. I, I really wish looking back, I really wish I had looked for more mommy and me actual music and movement classes. Um, I don't know why I didn't, but I did, I guess, maybe partly because of just what was nearer to me um, and what my kids seemed interested in at the time. But those would have been really fun. And I think though they would have been stress relieving, but I also agree with Keisha, um, mommy and me gymnastics, very tiring (laughs) mommy and me swimming. That was really fun. Um, I didn't find that as tiring, but, but you know, the gymnastics, oh my goodness, running around, going through the obstacle courses, uh, stretching, doing all those things. Um, they, they can be, they can be tiring and they can actually be a little bit stressful, especially if it seems like, all the other kids are willing to try all the new things, and your kid is like hanging on you and clinging for dear life. And you just think, "Oh my gosh, why are why are we even here? <laughs> like, is this really a good <laughs> a good thing to be doing uh, with our time?" Um, but again, it's all about those those experiences. And and to all of you, mom, to you moms that are that have such young kids, and I know, um, I know this is so. Absolutely cliche, but truly um, take advantage of those times and just cherish those memories. Julie, when you talk about singing with your daughter and recording and holding her the whole time, I mean, what a special memory. And Caitlin, when you talk about ballroom dancing with your son, like those things are just so amazingly sweet and you will need those stories and those thoughts when they do become teenagers and they seem like they're arguing with you about every single thing. And, um, I just, I think it's so important to just take all those things in. Um, and, and don't be afraid to just take the time to be silly and, you know, be artsy. Maybe it's not like, highbrow mommy and me classes but we had lots of music in our house we had a whole bin of instruments and so sometimes it was just banging on pots and pans or playing the tambourine or playing the little fake guitar that we had you know there's there's so many ways to be musical also i think the classes are wonderful but don't ever be afraid to just make your own class and you know do your own things and just make those memories with your kids because it really does go even though when you're in it, it seems like it's never going to end. And you think of the things that really um, make you worry now. And I think back and I think, oh, it was, I didn't think it was at the time, but it really was so much easier. You know, now our oldest is, is, could get a a driver's license soon. And I just think I am not ready for this. Like that's a whole (laughs) that's a whole, uh, bigger worry. And, 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 you know, I'm going to have to get ready because it's going to happen. Um, but man, enjoy, enjoy those kid moments.
0: I love that, Melissa. I was just over here laughing to myself. My mom always says that the, you know, the step that you're in, it feels so difficult, but it's only preparing you for the next step, which just gets harder, but, um, (laughs) but it's okay because you'll be ready when the time comes, you'll be totally ready. Um, so Julie, what's your perspective on this? Um, are you uh, the mommy and me type? Uh, are you begging pots and pans? Are you doing both? What's your perspective?
4: So we are not currently in any classes. Um, I I don't actually know what I'm going to do if I'm going to look for a mommy and me class or um. I, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it depends on how expensive and where they are. We do have a library down the street. So I do plan to like check that out. Um, I, you know, I think for me, um, I'm still kind of developing my confidence in traveling with my baby. And, um, I, you know, I, um, uh, I think that, um, that is kind of, and and you know I'm, I guess I'm gonna get a little real here, but um <laughs> I think you should have saved Melissa for last because she had the really like wise words, and I'm still kind of bumbling around. But um you know I was I was a little bit well I was a lot I was very surprised last year when um I found out I was gonna have the baby. It was right around this time, and I was very surprised. Um and it you know she I obviously loved her from you know the minute I found out, and I um. She's like my little surprise blessing. Um, that being said, I also was super terrified and still am sometimes because I was not really planning on being a parent now. And um I didn't, I was like, I don't know what to do with a baby. Like I've changed, you know, three diapers in my life and like I don't I barely know how to hold a baby. Every time I do it, people tell me I'm doing it wrong. Like, what am I gonna do? You know? And then um I um yeah, I, I learned as much as I could before she was born. And now that she's born, it's like um, all these things that, you know, Melissa's right. Like you, you go through one stage and then you're on the next stage and you're like, wait, you're, you're rolling over and, you know, you're going to be crawling in a couple months. And like, I don't know what to do, like food and what, you know? So, um, right now my, my goal with her is to travel with her more confidently. Um, and I, I am working on that. And every day, you know, we get out some for a walk or we go across the street to the store or to get lunch or something. And, you know, we, um, we encounter people and sometimes the people are nice and respectful and sometimes they're, um, not, and, you know, they want to grab me or something. And, um, I am learning how to deal with that with a baby. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's a lot. Um, and so, I, you know, I would like to go to mommy and me classes, um, if I get the opportunity and if they are not, you know, out of my price range. Um, but I, you know, I think that's something to look into this spring. Um, because although I would like to network with other mothers, I'm still a little, you know, I'm, I'm a little hesitant. Um, and I realize that that comes from myself because it's, it, you know, I, I feel this, um, responsibility, uh, of, you know, like I need to travel with my child and I need to travel well. And everyone's watching me as a blind person with a baby. Um, and that is, that has been hard. Um, it's really hard and I've had to kind of overcome that one day at a time. Um, because I've never had to really worry about anyone else before, just myself. And if, you know, I look a fool and fall down the stairs, like, no, you know, I'm a stupid blind person, but I don't really care what anyone says about me. But with a baby, um, it's a whole different level of, you know, awareness that you have. And, um, I just had a hard time battling that, um, you know, in the cold dreary winter. Um, so we, you know, we're working on that and we're definitely getting there. She's a great baby to have out. I think she would love a class. She loves being out. I mean, I don't know. She'd probably fall asleep on the way there. So I think we definitely need to wait a couple months on a class maybe (laughs) because I feel like I would get her there and she'd be like passed out in her carrier because that's like the only thing that puts her to sleep. So yeah, a lot of classes
3: are like, you know, older, older kids. But also I would yeah. say to Julie, well, number one, you're, you're doing great. You are. Yes, and you I mean, are. No, there's no right or wrong way to be a parent. And all your feelings are so valid and just keep tackling it all one day at a time. Um, the second thing I though, I guess I would say is some of the time I think I did like my own mommy and me versions of things because some classes I think honestly are a little more Snooty, than I would like like oh we're going to you know make sure that our children sit here beautifully and and you know play just perfectly on these things and that's that to me it's so much more about the experience and self expression and so I would just say to go with your gut and if you find a class that you love and the people speak to you not not just speak to you but like their attitudes um, the feeling of the class really speaks to you and the things that you want your your baby to kind of do and enjoy go with that feeling if you feel like oh my gosh I come in here and nobody really talks to me and it's mostly like you know I don't know like I just get a different kind of vibe that you know the teacher really doesn't want you know a lot of excess noise or You know, just and again, age wise, too, you know, because by the time kids are five, six, seven, that might be a little bit different. But kids that are really little, um, you need a teacher that's going to say, like, be noisy, roll around on the floor, like. Play, you know, oh, that's a really interesting way to play this particular instrument. I've never seen anyone play it quite like that. What kind of sound can you make? You know, those those things to me are so much more important and you can do those things by yourself or with a small group or with like a little play group. And you could even be with your performing arts background at some point, you could kind of be the one that invites other moms and babies maybe into a public space. And maybe you're the one that brings the instruments and sort of teaches you like directing choirs. Like maybe, maybe that would be a really (laughs) cool thing for you to do because then you're in control. You're the teacher Um, parents can come to you, you know, I think sometimes that's a really good way um, to help yourself kind of gain confidence and and sort of use your talents. Don't be afraid to think about those things and use your own talents, even if you don't have like a degree in, you know, baby
1: musicology (laughs) or whatever, like
3: you don't need that degree. So I think that's really I think, I mean, it's very much like Keisha and the, the cool podcast, right? Like it's just all completely from her experiences. And I I just think that's so important. And I think as parents and as mothers, especially we're bombarded with all the ways to do it just right. And if you don't do it just like this, you know, there's going to be such a, a negative impact on your child and I don't know. I just, I think that is really, really damaging for us. And I just wish there was so much more love and trust and support and um, just more of uh, understanding that there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong that following your gut and doing what feels most right to you is absolutely fine. And so I guess that's my other like old lady advice that there's just there's there's so much that you guys can give to your kids and, and also to kids of other people if if that's uh, you know something that you'd like to do at some point. Yeah,
2: I was gonna say um, to follow what Melissa is saying it's kind of like when we first became parents we were in a, we were in Baltimore and we didn't have any family there. It was just us and I I babysat before but I've never you know, I got to give that kid back, but I had to keep this one. So <laughs> it was like, oh my God, what I'm gonna do? I don't have any family here. This is all something new. And so we started off by trying to go buy the book, but I slowly learned that you can't go buy a book because every child is different. You kind of have to go with the flow and learn your child. Cause I honestly will say my child kind of, in the beginning, like steered basically how we did things. Um, because, some things he liked some things he didn't and then when it came to having the second child I was like oh okay like it was like a little bit more natural um but it's so easy to be hard on yourself but you are doing a great job like you are doing really great and I think that as moms we tend to be hard on ourselves and also like um have that mom guilt um sometimes and you know we make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, but you know what? Our babies, they're always going to love us and they'll always forgive us. And I had to, (laughs) I had to tell myself that because I've made mistakes with my kids. Um, A quick story. I was, we were flying with my son for the first time and I went to go change his diaper. I thought he was wet. And I put him on, we were on the airplane and we, went, we hadn't taken off yet and I put him on the changing table and I took my hand off of him for one second and it took that one second for him to hit the floor and he hollered and I felt like the worst mom in the universe and I was so embarrassed because this poor blind mom can't change her baby's diaper and I cried and I felt so bad and the crazy sad thing was he wasn't even wet and so I'm like, oh my god I just went through this for nothing and I feel like a real terrible mom, but it's normal. Babies fall <laughs> and he was perfectly fine. Um, it's just, I think having that, that people looking at us all the time, like having that crucial, maybe like the criticism or like people's outlook on blind people or blind parenting affects how we mentally are as parents. And I think the best thing to do is just, you know, like you said, you want to learn how to travel better. Um, just continue getting out there and, and traveling. Um, it'll get easier, I promise. <laughs> People keep telling me that when my kids get older, it'll be easier. And I'm telling you that, <laughs> when you're, when, you know, when your baby's little, it'll get easier to travel. It's a lot of work, but I know the type of traveler you are and I know the type of person you are, and I definitely know that you can do it. And I'm always here if you ever want to ask me any questions too. <laughs>
3: And, you know, it's like any performing art, you know, raising kids is an art and, and you have to yeah. rehearse, right? You've never done it before. So now you're going to learn this whole new craft. And yeah. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I know it's, it's easy to feel like you're on stage all the time, but you also have to remember that there's so many people that are looking down at their phones that are worried about themselves, that even though it mm-hmm. feels like everybody's looking at you. They really aren't. And even if they, I mean, if they are, so be it, but if they're not, I mean, you know, there's so many other things to see in the world that, um, you know, it's, they probably aren't looking at you as often as you think they are. And sometimes I find when I really could use someone to help me, you know, get directions or whatever, that's when nobody's around. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything, but, you know, just kind of try to remember all those, try to remember all those um, times that you had to rehearse to do any performance. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of what you're doing now. You're learning, you're learning a new craft a little bit at a time.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, I I think as as moms, we're really hard on ourselves and we judge ourselves really harshly. And then as performing artists, we're really hard on ourselves and we judge ourselves really harshly. And then you add blindness on top of that. And sometimes we judge ourselves really harshly. So it's just, you know, all these things. But, you know, I I love what you all have said. And I, I add to it, you know, people say you are the best possible person for the best possible mom for your child. There is no better mom than you for for your child you have been chosen to be the mom for that child and so just you know I I love this discussion because there's so many challenges and yet there's so many ways to continue um you know to continue using our performing arts to to bond with our children and to expose them to new things and then also you know don't be afraid to to take time for yourself to You know, I love how Melissa, you're jumping into some new performing arts there. Julie and Keisha, I know you guys are doing things. Sometimes they're related to your kids, sometimes they're not. But um, for myself, you know, I I teach private music lessons and I have to have someone watch my baby while I do that because he's at the age where he can't be quiet and while I sing, you know. (laughs) So um, finding a way to still have that creative outlet uh, is, is a wonderful thing and it can be done and it's going to look different for every mom and every baby. Um, but that's the beautiful thing. You know, we're, none of us are the same. We're all unique and we all have something beautiful and wonderful to, to bring to the table. So thank you all for sharing those, those excellent thoughts. This has been a phenomenal time sharing with you all. I totally agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, one of the things that I was thinking when you
0: all were talking is, um, you know, the show is literally called Scene Change because, you know, our whole goal here is to change the scene um, in the performing arts, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, I just love all of the all of the things that we've um discuss the things that we've discovered, you know, together, we, you know, we've pushed ideas farther. We've, you know, had pushback on other ideas and that's what we're here to do. That's the whole purpose of this show. Um, so yes, I mean, I, I'm hoping that, you know, some high school and middle school students and some young adults and college students can, can be trained in, in things like, um, Audio description, um, you know, and just and, and pushing those things further. Um, I, I would love to see, you know, um, a blind mom somewhere start a, a mommy and me group that's just chill vibes, you know what I mean? Um, whether it's only for uh, blind mothers or whether it's for blind and sighted mothers in the community. Just all of these different things um, that can be done that we're thinking of and that we're just throwing out there for our listeners. Um, I hope that, you know, they take these ideas. I hope that we take these ideas and, and run with them. Um, So thank you all for joining us today. Every single panelist. Thank you, Caitlin, for co-hosting with me. As always, thank you, Shane. He's going to edit this down and um, make it an, an outstanding episode. And of course, thank you, the listener. This has been another episode of
1: Scene Change. I'm Caitlin McIntyre, President of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Scene Change. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And visit our website at nfb-pad.org. There you'll find links to our social media, membership, and resources for blind performers. Thanks to everyone who makes this show happen. Scene Change is produced by Shane Lowe, Joe Schooneman, Precious Perez, Chris Nussbaum, Seyun Choi, and Aaron Jordan. With music by Ryan Strunk and Tom Page. Remember, you can be the performer you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. We'll see you next time.